you deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Monday. Welcome in to the Alana Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Alana Inquirer publisher here with you. And we have a bit longer of a podcast today, so hope you like a lot of Illini basketball talk. And uh, why wouldn't you right now with Illinois riding a seven-game win streak following one of their most impressive wins of the year, a 94-63 at Minnesota. A chat to Michael Carpenter, my guy, 200-level podcast, longtime uh, co-worker at ESPN Radio 93.5. And uh, Illinois basketball doing better since Carp and I left ESPN Radio 93.5, by the way. And Carp and I chat about the Minnesota win. We chat about Ohio. Ohio State, Michigan over the weekend, and just what this big stretch of games that are coming quick here, four games over the next eight days, including three this week, two on the road. Talk to Carp about all of that. Then we get a little bit, uh, we got a little winded, long-winded here, um, but we talked about just Io DeSumo's season, how it stacks up. Um, Because I'm starting to do some research, and I'll have a, a big piece on that, just individual, how it compares to some of the best seasons in Illinois basketball history, and it compares pretty dang well. Uh, but we also talk about the rest of the Big Ten and where kind of Illinois is landing there just for the future. Uh, yeah, we get a little bit into the future. We're enjoying the present, but uh, we do think about what the season means for their long term and what it says about Brad Underwood's program as well. But then I get you ready for Tuesday night's tip-off at Michigan State, and uh, it's obviously not the same kind of Michigan State team that we've seen in the past. They're 11-9, and 5-9 and nine in the Big Ten. Uh, just to, to be honest with you, I had them number two coming into my preseason poll. I knew they lost Cassius Winston and lost Xavier Tillman, who I loved, but I just thought they had the pieces. I thought they had the culture. I thought they had the depth. I thought they had the recruits, um, the talents that would develop, and it certainly just hasn't happened that way. So I was wrong on that one. But Michigan State did pick up a win over Indiana. That was pretty impressive. And if they find a way to beat a team like Illinois, or they got a couple against Michigan, or one against Ohio State, maybe they can find a way to get back into this bubble talk. But I talked to Graham Couch about what this season has been for Michigan State and what he expects out of the Michigan State against Illini on Tuesday night. And Graham has been really high on Illinois the last couple seasons, so I get his thoughts on Brad Underwood's program as well. That's all coming up, starting next with Michael Carpenter. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Welcome in to the Illini Inquirer podcast and another week where Illinois basketball is a top five team and all is good in Michael Carpenter's fandom. Carp, how you feeling with Illinois having what was a really feel good win at Minnesota on Saturday? I'm feeling great and 
I thought they'd win Saturday, and I actually thought it might even be a comfortable win, just the way that Minnesota was trending, the way that Illinois historically has played at Williams Arena. Maybe not the last few years, but historically pretty good. But you never could have predicted something like that. I think that as that first half went on, keep in mind, Illinois was trailing 16-11. to 11. And at that point, I wasn't concerned. I thought we were playing fine, but Minnesota was hitting shots. Marcus Carr was hitting shots. And I thought, well, this might be one of those. And then from that moment on, it was just pure domination. I, I know that I tweeted out it was the most impressive first half they had played. You, you would reference the Northwestern second half, and that goes without saying, right? That's like so good. We put it over here. It's just it's hard to compare that to anything. I thought Wisconsin though, like Wisconsin first half, they yeah. come out and they lead thirty six twenty three, and I thought against Minnesota, they, I mean, offensively it was the best half they've had, but like defensively they were locked in against Wisconsin. And I know Wisconsin's not as not a top ten or top fifteen team, but I think we we're still kind of waiting on Illinois to turn the corner. And to me, that half was kind of like okay, all right, this this team's hitting that stride and, and starting to hit that. And then we saw it in full gear against a, a shorthanded Gophers team. Yeah, and the fact that Iowa and his triple-double, that's the story. And you forget that Kofi had 22 points and that Trent Frazier was phenomenal. I mean, defensively, of course, against Marcus Carr, but the half-court three, his second half-court three in his career and how good he was offensively. Jacob Grandison in double digits. You had really no one playing a bad game. I know that Curbelo had some... Corbello moments, you know, Adam Miller shooting wise, even though he did make a couple and he had a dunk. So now you're starting to see those guys around Iowa and Kofi, I think, really fill their roles and do so more consistently. And if that is the case, then you raise that floor even more. You know, you have the best one two punch in the conference. But if that supporting cast can continue to do what they did like Saturday, it's difficult to imagine this team, even with the schedule, losing more than, I don't know, two games. And that's given how tough the schedule is. Yeah, I mean they got they got some some huge games ahead. It's it's kind of interesting because I didn't think like Io Desumu was the story of that game, uh, and for yeah. for most of the game, right? I just thought it was mostly Trent Frazier's playing well, Jacob Grandison's playing well, Kofi's having a dominant performance, Io is running this pick and roll amazingly well. Like that was the story of the first half for me. Was I thought Io was the best player in the court because he was getting everybody else involved and they were making shots and defensively they were good. So I just felt like it was like the complete effort. And then Brad kept him in, and all of a sudden it becomes the story of the game. But it's kind of like I would have taken him out, Carp. I, personally, I would have taken him out because I was just imagining that one percent chance he gets Derek a serious, Rose. Yes, he gets a serious injury as you're hunting stats, but it could pay off because you got it, and now all of a sudden the national player of the year conversation becomes more of a conversation because he keeps having these moments. I mean, two triple doubles in four games. No matter if the second half was kind of bonus time for him the other day, uh, the closing time moments against Nebraska and Northwestern, I know they're not good, but those are still great moments for him. And Luca Garza had a fantastic game yesterday. Uh, it's it's fun to watch. It's fun for me, Carp, to watch. Even though I think it's some of Iowa fans are ridiculous when they think Iowa doesn't deserve to be in the conversation, and that right. Illinois fans are ridiculous when they think Luca is not some great player. Like that's the fringes, right? Just like in all of society, those fringes are ridiculous. But it's fun to have that right now because Iowa is kind of avoiding that February Fran thing, right? They're they're getting some close, ugly wins, but they're winning them. And Luca could finish with a top four team here and ridiculous stats. But then you have Iowa doing what he's doing. It's 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 another great part of that rivalry going on. I had no problem with Brad keeping him in. Now, I mentioned during the podcast, okay, Derek Rose, knock on wood, you don't get one of those situations. I've never watched 
a player off the ball more than I did those four or five possessions, just watching Io fishing for a rebound. And then he finally gets it and understanding in that moment. I think Brad understood this too, that this national player of the year conversation, it requires moments. And he got one on a Saturday afternoon where there wasn't at that time, much else going on in college basketball. So you really had the nation tuning in maybe for the first time to see, okay, well, how good is this IO kid and how good is this Illinois team? And you put your best, probably 40 minute performance other than, you mentioned the Wisconsin game. That was pretty far up there. And, and the Iowa game, too, given the competition. What is most encouraging out of all this is that you followed up the Northwestern and Nebraska performances, which I wouldn't say a red flag and maybe not even a yellow flag. But it raised a little bit of concern because I thought, I'd say well, a yellow this flag. I think yellow flag is fair. Like, is it fair for okay. me? Like here, I mean, you know me. I'm, I'm not too high, too low. I don't ride the roller coaster as much as you. But to me, Nebraska and Northwestern weren't signs that, oh my God, this team isn't a top five team or isn't a top 10 team or final four contender. But Minnesota also doesn't tell me, oh my God, they're going to win the national championship, right? Because Minnesota, to me, is I, I've watched them this year. And while Marcus Carr can be great at points, they're not that impressive. Kalsher was out. Liam Robbins was a shell of himself. So I think, yeah, Illinois, like they played great. And I'm not taking anything away from them. But are they going to do that against Michigan State on Tuesday? Maybe not. Um, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State. I think we saw how good Michigan and Ohio State are and that that's the level you have to play at. And Illinois already lost to Ohio State. But like it's certainly like that's the performance you want to see. Like You want to see that kind of response right after those Northwestern Nebraska games. You want to see a team get better, and that's what they're doing. I think the team, though, they're recognizing these moments and not to say Minnesota on Saturday was a huge matchup, but, you know, nationally televised in Minnesota with Marcus Carr and even a hobbled Liam Robbins. That's enough to make you think, all right, well, this is going to be a close game. And they showed up and not only did they show up one of their best performances of the year. And I think we're starting to see a trend here that they are playing to their competition, in effect, or they're playing to the moment. Northwestern on a Tuesday night at home, eh, whatever. Now, as a fan, I can say that I wish the team didn't or that at Nebraska, you know, a day after you would have played at Michigan, I get it as a fan, but you don't want them to have that. So in a weird way, I watch this and I think, you know, the NCAA tournament matchup that's going to scare me the most is the 215. <laughs> and as long as you get through that against a lesser opponent, they're going to be fine because there does seem to be something about this team dating back to last year yeah. that in the bigger moments, they play better. And that's why this final five game stretch is so exciting or five or six game five game stretch because you have yes Michigan State on Tuesday but I think that that's still a moment it's 6 p.m nationally televised a Michigan State team that's down I have less of concern going into this game uh, for a Nebraska-like performance um, because of what we saw Saturday I think they've shown that all year that they're like they're they play to the moment like even the first two games right North Carolina and Chicago State. You're a top six team in the country. You want to prove it, and they blow those teams out. Then you get a third game in third day, three days, and you're just kind of like, oh, let's just get to Baylor, right? Mm -hmm. And Ohio gave them a scare, but Iowa was good enough to save them at the end. Uh, Duke, huge moment. Like, that's your arrival moment, right? After Baylor and you want to bounce back. You play great. And then you get Missouri, who no one thought was an NCAA tournament team, and you have letdown performance there. Um, and then you kind of did it after you had this win streak. You feel great about yourself, and you're thinking, all right, let's get to Iowa, <laughs> right? Oh, you still got Maryland, and Ohio State's pretty good too, and you let down there. But then there's just been an urgency. Yeah, you've played some teams that aren't that great in Nebraska and Northwestern, but you've had Iowa, Indiana, Wisconsin, now Minnesota, which was 13-1 and at home. I think they reflect their leader, and that's Io. And, and Io has this LeBron sense 
of when it's time to turn it on. And and now is the time to turn it on. Plus, I just think this coaching staff's pretty good. They make good adjustments. I think you're seeing that offensively. Uh, and I think you're seeing the rest of the team kind of click in and follow its leader and eye of, okay, this is winning time. This is This is the urgency here. He had a quote on Saturday you tweeted out, and to paraphrase it, he mentioned that urgency and that they know it's time and that time is running short. This is it. Now, after yesterday, the Michigan-Ohio State game, I think that the Big Ten picture is a little bit more clear, but they have a very clear path to a one seed, and that would still allow them to maybe lose one, maybe even two more games this regular season. And, and in a way, not trying to rationalize not winning the Big Ten title, but Michigan's really really good and that's fine that takes I, I thought they were scared carp i thought they were scared like i'm I, they're, they're pretty good <laughs> they're really good like listen well, listen it still leaves a bad taste in your mouth i get it sure but they're really good and they would have been pretty good on on that day yes illinois would have rather had them that day and michigan probably would have rather not i i get it but that team that that's a i don't know like I've heard the conversation. Should we put them in the Baylor Gonzaga territory? I think we're getting They're there. close. I think yep. we're getting there where it's like they don't have any flaws. They're deeper than you. You have two, you have the two best players I think on the court, but they probably have the next four or five, probably. Probably, yeah. I, I think if you you mentioned how Saturday's game against Minnesota didn't necessarily change the narrative of like, oh, well, this team can win a national title. Like, this Illinois team is what they are, and they are essentially a top-five team when they're at their best, and they've been at their best for the last few weeks. But the reason a game like Minnesota is so tantalizing is that when you see all the other pieces clicking alongside the one and two, you really get excited for the Michigan game, and you really get excited for the Ohio State game, and also have less of a doubt that Illinois is going to lay an egg in any of these big moments. They, They can lose. And as Trevor talked about on Saturday's podcast, they could lose two of the last three games at Wisconsin, at Michigan, at Ohio State. I would be not shocked, but very surprised if they lost all three. And in a weird way, I wouldn't be surprised if they won all three because <laughs> after this is a fanboy moment, full disclosure, after reading your tweet from what Io said about the urgency and knowing their time is now, I said to Trevor and Isaac, guys, what if it's right in front of us? The rest of the season and how it's going to play out is right in front of us, and they are not going to lose another Big Ten game. And it's not crazy. It's not crazy. No, it'd be amazing. Um, it would be. That would be an amazing finish to a regular season, and you would have a one seed, of course. You still might not win the Big Ten title. That's what's crazy about it is because Michigan uh, has right. to lose two more games for Illinois to even have a chance uh, at that. But, yeah, if you win four of the next five and you beat Ohio State, that's a one seed. Right. I mean, you, you could probably lose in the first round, the first game of the Big Ten tournament and likely be a one seed or the top two seed, which I think is the two spots you want. You want that four or five spot probably at this point, um, unless Michigan loses a couple games. You love that third one. But yeah, I think they're putting it together at the right time, Carp. And I, I was doing a lot of research. Like if, if Avio pulls that off. I know we, we focus so much on him, but it is a, a historic season for an Illinois basketball player who's in a national player of the year um, running, right? I think Illinois only had one player get a national player of the year award, and that was Sporting News named D. D. Brown. So that wasn't Wooden, that wasn't Naismith. Uh, Io's got a realistic chance at one of those. Now, maybe he's runner-up, maybe he's third or whatever it is. Um, I was trying to find, like, is this is this the best individual season ever by, by an Illini? And I think a lot of that's still to be proven with a postseason run. Um, you know, D, Darren, Luther, obviously all had great years. And I think spreading the wealth kind of downplays that a little bit. Nick Anderson, Kenny Battle, uh, Kendall Gill, probably the same thing. Kendall's 90 or 1990 season is similar, 
but that team wasn't in the Big Ten title race really uh, at the end, and Kendall lost in the first round. So I think if Kendall had led that team to like a Sweet 16 or Elite 8, maybe we talk about that season a little bit more, but he was a first-team All-American. I was going to be the first first-team All-American since D, right? Um, yeah. I think he's got a great chance at the Koozie Award, which would be the first time since D. So I think when you put these in perspective, like in the modern era, it's D Brown, it's Nick Anderson's year, but you know Frank Williams had a good year, but it's nowhere near what Io's putting up right now. I mean, he's going to be in the running for one of the best single seasons in Illinois basketball history. And oh, Kofi might be having the best big man year. <laughs> <laughs> right, one of them in Illinois history. Or Kofi, like we just we we clearly don't forget about him. But nationally, he's probably not going to make the first team All American. And, and there's there's arguments to be made for the guys that would make it over him. But there's plenty of arguments why Kofi should be. There's arguments why in most years Kofi would be a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate. Yeah, and you see occasionally people will throw out their Big Ten first team and. Kofi might get left off because someone wants to put, I don't know, Marcus Carr. Some no, silly thing. don't, no, he's in the don't first team. do it. Like no. I, Marcus Carr, you want to put him on second team? Okay. Like I, I've had some people push back on me about considering him like 11th guy. So the third team, but like Kofi is much more impactful to winning and, and he's putting up ridiculous numbers. Like you're right. Jared Solinger had similar years to Kofi Coburn, I think he was the, the Big Ten Player of the Year as a sophomore. Like, yeah, absolutely. He had a very similar year. This is the best single season in Illinois basketball history. Now, in term, statistically, Io. production you're, you're and also individual. the big, Io. Individual, yep, yeah. absolutely. And it's the crazy thing is to think we've seen all these moments, right? But we still have at least a month or so, if you consider the first week in the NCAA tournament. And he doesn't strike me as someone that has done with these moments. So, you know, he continues to add these chapters to this saga and they're ever more impressive. And in trying to compare him to my favorite Illini guys, whether it be a Frank, for example, Frank was terrific. 15 points a game, five assists a game. He had some of those big moments that we remember him by, but Frank also had some moments where he didn't quite step up to the moment, including his last game when they were against Kansas in the sweet 16, Frank was off. He was pretty bad that game. And Io, you know, this season's going to end and in all likelihood it's going to end with a loss, right? Yeah. But I still think that somewhere between now and whenever that moment is, there's going to be even more to solidify his case as the best individual season. So it kind of hit me Saturday and it's hit me a few times in the last few weeks that not only are we lucky given the COVID circumstances and all that to get a season in the first place with Io and Kofi coming back when we didn't expect them to, we're getting this cherry on top, which is potentially the best single season from any Illini player. I, I mentioned Brian Cook his senior year. That yeah. was great. That team won the Big Ten tournament. I they got a four seed. The only guys to win Big Ten Player of the Year, and I think that award started in the early 80s, are Bruce Douglas, mm -hmm. Frank Williams, Brian Cook, D. Brown, and if I owe, he'd be the fifth. right? Yep. And I think that's going to be difficult with Garza, um, but he's got a chance at it. And the last, I mean, there's not many first team All Americans. The only first team All Americans I could see consensus carp were, were Kendall and, and D. Brown, I believe. If you think about the added baggage to a being the guy to not single handedly, but almost resurrect the program that had been so far down, I think that Friday he, he appeared on the score and it was kind of cool to listen to that and see that I was kind of a fanboy of 670, the score back in the day, and listen to Boris and Bernstein on his way back from practice when his dad would pick him up, which reminded me a lot of when my dad would drive me to school or my, you know, it was always 670, the score. 
And for him being a Chicago kid, there are so many narratives that are going to make for great fodder when we get to March Madness, profiles on I.O. before whatever Illinois' first round matchup is. You know, it's not just the fact he's doing this on the court. It's the fact that all the other baggage and extracurricular stuff that a star has to deal with, not only does he deal with it, but he does so with this moxie that you only get from consummate professionals. And that's essentially what he is, is a professional basketball player in the way he carries himself and the way that he represents this entire program. It's it's very impressive. Yeah, let me, let me build off that because Iowa was on the score last week. I think Brad was on the score last mm-hmm. week. I was on the score with Lawrence today. Like they're starting to go all in on this, right? And if I wrote about this last week and it's a different type of hype for this team because in 05, they were undefeated and they beat Wake Forest. And then all of a sudden, Carp, every win after that, it became a circus, right? There's a traveling media. Uh, it's not just the champagne media who are covering them every day, right? It's Chicago's all in on the St. Louis had a newspaper guy there every day. Chicago had like five people there plus TV people. Um, you're not having that this year. Like even on Zoom calls yet, we're not having that. But you're starting to get the Chicago media like being like, hey, uh, NFL season's done. The draft's a couple months away. Let's get on this team plus spring training and some Bulls and Blackhawks, right? Like this all of a sudden is becoming a lead story for them. And one that is very interesting because there's so many great personalities. And while like for me, who's who's on the day-to-day grind, it's like, yeah, we've, we've shown these stories before. I like, had yeah, that little bit of, yeah, we've been here all along. There's something different about an Illini fan when you hear Fox doing a piece on him or the Chicago Tribune and Shannon doing a great piece on Brad Underwood or Jeff Borzello of ESPN doing a piece. That's the stuff that you have been lacking for 12, 15 years that you are going to be one of the focal stories of of March. And and it's been so dang long that I understand like the first time CBS does the selection Sunday and they pan to Illinois that moment that national TV moment is going to be just awesome for you guys as fans. Yeah. Uh, last year would have been six seed Illinois and it would have felt great. I mean, just the catharsis of finally getting back to it. And now, you know, COVID-19, listen, I would trade trade it in for, I'd, I'd give so much to trade in the last year for what it was, right? But talk about a silver lining that this doesn't happen unless last year is interrupted. I mentioned that in the score interview. If they go with the NCAA tournament, they probably win a game, maybe two, the way that team was playing. They probably have a decent run in the Big Ten tournament. He does enough individually to solidify himself as a first-round pick. I I don't have much doubt in that, but instead, this all happens. You get him back and Kofi back for a bonus year, essentially. And you get a now not just experience Selection Sunday and getting back into it. You get to experience something you haven't for 16 years. There, If you were to ask me, what's the percentage chance of Illinois getting a one seed right now? Darn near close to 50 a 50 really? 50 shot given the schedule and how they can control their own destiny. And they don't even need to win the big 10 to get that. I'll, I'll just, I'll just give you the, the team rankings had 24%. And that was like double of what it was last week, by the way. Okay. Um, but they also had like a two seed at like 42%. So, uh, I mean, you have like, I mean, the, the ceiling of this team is, is that number three or number four overall seed, right. As a number one seed. I think the likeliest is the number two seed. And I think this team's floor now is probably a three seed. Probably so. Because the other teams around you, I think USC was an example, and I depending on the bracketology, but they had a bad loss. The Alabamas of the world, do you count on them to continue doing what they're doing? The Tennessees of the world, which I think they had a loss against Kentucky, like 15 points at home. 
then you start to see, and this is for every team that are kind of checking their net rankings, what's a quad one win, what's not. You start to see Duke play well again, get a big win against Virginia. And that by the end of the year, it might shake out where you have 9, 10, 11 quad one wins, and you're right there with the Ohio States of the world or the Gonzagas of the world for most quad one, even though Gonzaga probably won't be accruing any more of those given their conference and that they don't. I, I think you would mention on your podcast with Joey that St. Mary's is the second best team in that conference, and they're at 70 something. Yeah. But below Northwestern or right around it? Yeah. Uh, BYU, I think, is in their conference this year. Like, okay. and they, and they, they're pretty good. But, yeah, I mean, it's just every day Illinois is playing those teams, right? And Gonzaga, uh, Gonzaga, I think, is better than Illinois. Like, I, I think just roster-wise, they get, they're a little bit deeper. I think Illinois could beat them one-on-one. I think in, in a certain game, I would have the odds to Gonzaga. But uh, Illinois is facing that battle every day, uh, which certainly leaves them tested. All right, Carp, so this week – uh, it's a, uh, it's going to be fast and furious with your pods, man. And I'm feeling the same <laughs> way with content because you don't really get a lot of time. And Brad and, and the players talked about this today. You don't get a lot of time to focus, uh, on kind of living in the moments. Maybe we do a little bit more than the players, but you got Michigan state who just beat Indiana. I thought that was an impressive win, uh, for them. And, and you know, they're going to be tough and physical. I think Illinois has the better players, obviously, Nebraska gave you a scare the last time. I don't think it'll be as close this time around, but I think Illinois should be aware that you just can't show up and beat Nebraska without you know being mentally ready for it. And then you got a huge trip to Wisconsin. I know they won there last year, and I know Wisconsin's not nearly as scary as maybe we thought they could have be this year, and that Illinois has an advantage there. That's three games in six days, or three games in five days, excuse me. And then you got Michigan. Uh, next Tuesday. So this week, it, it's all about continuing that momentum and not having a slip up, which is really hard in the Big Ten. Michigan State's an interesting matchup because their strength are these sort of tweeners like an Aaron Henry that you have guys that are pretty good defenders, but you might be giving up a little bit of height to them, but they don't really have that point guard. They don't have that center. So it's a weird thing where your strength is so much better than their weakness, but they have some interesting matchup pieces. I think that given what happened last year, going 0 for 2 against Michigan State, it seems like this team, for whatever reason, they get fired up from kind of bulletin board material, whether it be Underwood planting the Io Garza thing before the Iowa game, or you know, they they seem to respond to that sort of stuff. And I would think that last year going 0 for 2 might spur them on tomorrow night. I expect a win, you know, a little bit tight at times. The Nebraska game, I think, is going to be the ugliest game of the week, <laughs> psychologically. You know, you got it sandwiched between at Breslin Center, at Cole Center. And how do you, I mean, I, I'm, I can't get up for it. I mean, I'm excited to watch the team play a game. But other than that, it's kind of a sleepy Thursday against Nebraska, whatever. Just get the win. Doesn't matter how much. And then Saturday, I think ultimately, as long as you do what you do best. And you see that Wisconsin, the antidote for what they do is athletic teams that get out in transition. That's why Michigan had the second half they did. And that's why I think Illinois... It's like, hey, whatever you guys did at Minnesota, do do that again. And if you do that, not only will you beat Wisconsin, but it might even look a little bit like the first matchup that you had with them. If only it were that easy. Like, Carp, what, what did you take away from watching that Michigan-Ohio State game? They're good. Uh, I, I thought I Ohio that, State played great. Like, I, I mean, EJ Liddell was so good. Um, Dwayne Washington looked great. Um, 
They just got so many waves of guys. They sent like Zed Key coming off the bench. I love watching that kid. He reminds me a little bit of a young Xavier Tillman. I don't know if he's as athletic, but he's kind of this six eight, six nine guy who doesn't look all that athletic. But there he is battling with Hunter Dickinson for part of the game and playing pretty well. He's done it against Garza too. They got a shooter and Aaron's suing's this long guy. CJ Walker's just this senior point guard who makes these kind of ridiculous mid-range shots. Um, I'm really impressed with Ohio State. And then Michigan beat them because they shot the lights out and they just it's it's one of the best constructed rosters I've seen in a while. And I was texting with some of our guys like Trevor and all that. And it's amazing they lost Teske and Xavier uh, Simpson. And I think they upgraded those positions. Oh, yeah. Like Dickinson at center and Mike Smith at point guard. I, I thought, oh, that's where they'll struggle, right? They got good wings and, and livers and um, uh, Brooks. Brooks. Oh, and uh, Wagner. Franz Wagner oh, yeah. is one of my favorite. And Shondi Brown. Yeah, he's yeah. one of my favorite players. They they upgraded both those positions. Then they had Shondi Brown, who's like, if DeMonte Williams is a little bit more athletic, a little bigger, and a, and a better score. Like, it's just, it's it's an amazing job by Juwan Howard, who last year at this time I had huge doubts about. Now I look at Michigan, I'm like, good luck Uh-oh. rest of the Big Ten for the next five years. <laughs> Chandy Brown looks like a grizzled NBA veteran. You know, just a bruiser. And he'll he'll probably have a long pro career in, in Europe or something like that. He's he's very good, and he's their sixth best player, arguably. <laughs> you know, they're, they're so balanced. I look at Ohio State, and as well as they played, I think there were a few cracks in the armor. And I think if I look at those two matchups before that game, I might have actually said – that Michigan may be a better matchup for Illinois. But then you look out there and you see, well, Michigan's got livers. That's going to be a tough matchup for you. And Ohio State has Liddell. And these are guys that you don't really have someone you can one-on-one go with, right? But Ohio State's defense, as good as Michigan was on offense, and yes, they shot lights out. And I think the metrics show this, that Ohio State's defense is merely good. Michigan's great at everything they do, including the defense, despite giving up however however many points, because Ohio State shot lights out as well. That last week, if you were to say which one's more likely, I'd say Ohio State for sure. I'm also interested to see how Ohio State responds to that because you know one of my favorite narratives is the hangover effect. And that was the game for them. And of course it was for Michigan too. But Michigan didn't need it to still win a Big Ten title. Ohio State did. And I'm interested to see a team that still has some relative youth uh, in Ohio State, how they respond to that. They'll be ready by the time they play Illinois. But this week, I'd have to check their schedule and see if they got any potential trap games or not. I don't think they play until Thursday, maybe. By the way, um, Ohio State's going to be really good next year, too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Washington is a junior. Liddell is a sophomore. I don't think those guys are draft picks. They they probably lose Walker and Young. Uh, Aaron's is back, though. Um, Sewing's back. Like, they're they're really good. The one thing they do lack, um, they exploited this because Liddell really played well and stretched out Kofi. They don't have that post presence, right? Like they, especially defensively, where Dickinson was able to beat him uh, and he was able to get post position and really out tough them late in the game. That's something Kofi just really wasn't able to do uh, against Ohio State. But uh, I do think Kofi's a huge matchup problem for them. But everywhere else, yeah, Ohio State outside of the IO matchup is they, they got the advantage on the wing. If there's a frustration about this year and, and not getting a Big Ten title, I look at Ohio State and think, well, they had the two brothers last year, whose names escape me, but the two brothers Lessons. that both started. Yeah. There you go, yeah. They leave, and I'm thinking, well, great. Those guys killed us last year in that matchup. That means we're going to have the advantage. No, they reload, and they're even better. Michigan, you mentioned the Teske and, and Xavier Simpson. They're gone. Well, clearly, they're going to take a step back. No, no, and they are worthy of that number three ranking, and that is a bit frustrating to think that we might not get that tangible 
banner that we can raise for a Big Ten championship. But the good news is that you know I, I try not to focus on that because you still have an Illinois team that is, I think, is likely to make a deep run as those two teams mm-hmm. based on your one and two and if the supporting cast can keep providing a little more consistency. Yeah, it feels like if you were Illinois, like the year uh, Tom Crean won the Big Ten, like you'd win that Big Ten, right? Like you're right. kind of similar a little bit to that team. Um, now, maybe not with the Frank Kaminsky, Wisconsin, uh, the great Thad Mott, Ohio State teams, but you are playing in one heck of a Big Ten. It's just two teams I didn't expect to be in t- title contention. Before the season, I thought Illinois was the best team like kind of all around. Um, and I thought Iowa offensively is great. I thought Michigan State would just be tough, physical, get sure. ugly wins. And I thought Michigan was talented. I think I had them four or five. Wisconsin, you thought, was kind of similar to Michigan State. And I think I had Ohio State six or seven, which was higher than most people. But I did not see this out of them. So the, these football schools hiring these great basketball coaches, man. But that's that's part of playing in the Big Ten, though, Carp, is once you get to the NCAA tournament, Um, I think you just have such a leg up because you've been doing this night in and night out. I think the other part of this that makes this much more enjoyable to watch is the feeling that, you know, talk about parallel tracks, like I think Mike Thomas had referenced back in the day, and you got this on-court success. And if there was a concern, especially back in December and January, it's like, okay, well, we're having fun watching this team, but what's next? And the recruiting had kind of stopped. And then you have uh, Goody having a great season for his team, great senior year over in Indiana. You have Melendez sign. You hope that maybe an Amari Burnett or something like that. And then you see what Michigan and Ohio State have done, especially Michigan, in terms of getting the transfer guys to fill those voids. Now, you aren't going to get anybody that's as good as Iowa Kofi, but you do have everyone else getting a year older. And if you can get a post presence, if you can't get another guard uh, that can create, then you feel like, all right, well, no reason we can't stabilize ourselves post-Iowa and Kofi is a top four Big Ten team because as good as Ohio State and Michigan are, and you feel like Michigan State's going to stick around, after that there's a lot of question marks as to what programs in the Big Ten can establish themselves there. And I think you're in a pretty good spot, all things considered. Yeah, I think Michigan State bounces back, right? They're recruiting well, and and I just give Izzo the the benefit of the doubt there. The one thing they've struggled with, though, with this current roster is kind of developing that that talent. And and Brad Underwood, to his credit, and his staff – I mean, the development of Iowa, the development of Kofi, and, and we even saw it with a guy like Alan Griffin last year, little ways of DeMonte Williams and, and Trent Frazier that they've developed as college players. I think that's really encouraging because I, I think Curbelo and Miller can take a big step. And if you had a guy like Namari Burnett on the wing, that's a guy who can average double digits next right. year. Um, and then go find your big man. And that's the most important part of next year. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Michigan, Ohio State, like I think Purdue and Wisconsin are going to be Purdue and Wisconsin. Right. Uh, I think Iowa takes a step back, uh, but they should be good offensively. Um, But then Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Minnesota, Penn State, Northwestern, Nebraska. Like, no, Like I think Illinois with its roster and with what they could potentially add, um, they're going to be fighting in that top five um, next year, maybe top half next year. And then for years after that, be one of those teams in the mix. Jacob Grandison. You know, but yeah. not not saying all Big Ten kind of guy, but there's this. I mean, you're seven and zero since he got in the starting lineup. Now, whether that is team MVP, team MVP. <laughs> but you see these, and it's been interesting. The couple games before the Minnesota game, it felt like his role had diminished a bit, and you started to see Demonte in more of the closer role, especially in the second half, which is fine because Demonte's doing things, including against Northwestern, 
his steals kind of help wrap that game up. But to see Grandison make that impact offensively too, I mean, he's a good shooter. He's, I think, 45% from three this year, very efficient offensively, good defender, good rebounder, and thinking, okay, get him an extra year. Uh, Hutcherson, I don't know what that whole situation is. I hope that, I mean, back issues are always a little bit scary, but all things considered, it does feel like in terms of roster building, I have more trust in this staff to do it. And you've also mentioned the player development. This collection of Underwood at the top and then Gentry, Shin Coleman, Antigua, I, that's the best staff we've had since yeah. the self years. I was talking about this with somebody, Carp, because like, could they lose somebody, right? That's always the, the concern is when you get good, you might lose people, whether it's to the NBA draft or, or to another program if you got an assistant. And that NIU job, like they should be, they, they should definitely be going after Chin Coleman. Makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, and who that next guy could be, I don't know. But Orlando Antigua could be a million-dollar assistant here soon. And I think he could carve out a great career doing that if he wanted to. Um, Steven Gentry reminds me of Luke Yaklich at Michigan. Just that X is an O genius, and maybe in a year or two, he's a guy that that has this quick rise to all of a sudden he's just an assistant for a couple years, uh, and then he becomes uh, a mid-major coach somewhere. Uh, that's possible. But you're right. I mean, it's just a nice mix of guys. Orlando goes and gets guys, and just his tentacles of where he can get kids, and you know his Caribbean connections that have just paid off immensely for Illinois, kind of like Gonzaga's overseas thing, right? Like they found this market inefficiency and all of a sudden they got a kid from Jamaica. They got a kid from Puerto Rico. Uh, they got a kid from the Dominican Republic coming in again. Um, that's, that's a nice influx of talent that he's been able to bring and his development of Kofi has been great. And then you kind of get this, this whiz kid, I would say, and Steven Gentry, who's helped Brad Underwood make these changes along with Chin, who's kind of running the defense. Um, it's just a well-balanced young staff that can get talent and then get the most out of them, at least so far in the last couple of years. Yeah, if you look at best staffs in the Big Ten, or at least in terms of head coaching, and you know, with Brad Underwood, four years, you just look at the rise, and it's basically been exponential from what he took over and, and where you are now, and you will take a dip next year. But I think that when you compare this great Illini team to the last great Illini team and the drop-off that you had from 05 and then the years after that, it's difficult to imagine that and I think one of the key things in all of it is Brad Underwood's flexibility yes. and the ability and his willingness. And Brett Bielema said all the right things about this for the football program. It's not going to be a square peg round hole that they will adapt to the talent that they have. So it is nice to feel like we get to enjoy this moment. We are probably not going to be a top five team next year, but we are probably not staring down the depths of, <laughs> oh, we made it here. And now here's another decade of futility. I don't think it's going that way now i didn't think that way with weber though there were signs recruiting wise especially that uh-oh where, where is this thing going or can we sustain this it's a healthy place to be carp is enjoying this season as weird as it is with everything in the world enjoying this season and knowing this doesn't happen that often and and there won't this won't happen every year right and it probably won't happen every other year um, this is a, a maybe a once in a decade team, even for for a Brad Underwood, but it's it's the sign that Illinois can get to this again, and that our floor is incredibly risen, and that there can be years like Michigan or Ohio State where it's like, hey, we're picked fifth or sixth, and maybe we get to one or two or three in the league, and maybe there's a year we're picked one or two and we finish four or five, but like that's what we're talking about now. Like I, I think that that's a good place to be is like enjoy the heck out of this because it doesn't happen every year and illinois fans should know that from their history right and the big 10 is different than it was at the turn of the century right like where illinois was racking up big 10 titles that probably isn't happening again 
uh, with the the investment that, that teams make in in this. But um, you can have more special years like this, and you're going to be hearing your name on Selection Sunday uh, more years than not. Yeah, and that's the key right there. I, I think if if I were to compare this to, let's say, Weber in 05 and the drop-off after that, this feels maybe a little bit more, and I hope, this is more what I hope it is, the beginning of the Lou Henson era. Let's compare this season to maybe the Elite Eight. And then after the Elite Eight, it took you five years to get back to the Final Four, but you were still top 15 kind of quality program. I and mean, that was a great Illinois program throughout the 80s. And what I'm also excited about is that for the younger guys on this team getting to ride this wave this year, the IO effect, where they see this exemplary guy, this exemplary dude that works his butt off every single day. It's like, oh, we have to do that. That's what we have to do. And, and somehow, some way, this program lost any sort of identity and any sort of culture. I couldn't tell you if you asked me, what was John Gross's identity? There were five of them. It seemed like every year there was a new armband with a different <laughs> saying or something. There were the Navy SEALs training, and then there was the H-1-4 or whatever the hell that was. Well, at least we know now, right? There seems to be a burgeoning culture and identity, which would get harped on a lot until Underwood started winning games. I was like, well, I got to see it. Well, we're seeing it. And I think that that is trickling down, I would hope, to the Corbellos and the Millers and the that, guys that are going to be here for a while. That's the difference, Carp, is after D, there was Chester Frazier, right? And Chester I, yeah. lived that, right? Just wasn't talented enough. And mm -hmm. Chester would admit that. Now you have guys who see it and who are talent, like Curbelo can be an all Big Ten player. Adam Miller can be an all Big Ten player. Um, you know, I think you have that on your team now, where you not only set that culture, but you're bringing in talent afterwards who can be that good uh, and can mirror that. And and Trent Frazier is a big part of it too, man. Like um, I, I think he brings it every day. Demonte brings it every day. Uh, and, and Kofi's another one. Like if you got Kofi for another year, it'd be huge because that's a guy who wants to get better. I mean, besides being great, it's that guy works his butt off and, and and is willing to be coached hard by Brad Underwood. And I think other talented guys see that. They say, okay, this is how it's got to be done. And if you have that talent that mirrors that, then that's where you get the Ohio State run of Thad Mott or the Michigan run of John Beeline or possibly what we'll see, you know, what we've seen with Michigan State, of course, but possibly what we'll see with Holtman and Howard as well. Theory about Kofi, he's seeing what's going on with Io junior year, all the accolades, individual accolades, and playing himself certifiably into the first round, right? And you still don't really see Kofi in a whole lot of NBA first round conversation. Maybe, maybe, just maybe he looks at this and says, you know what, I, I can be the guy next year, not the leader or anything, but certainly national player of the year caliber. He would be. He would I'd be. I take early the discussion for that. Over on Curbelo, seven assists per game next year if Kofi oh, came God. back. If it's true. And and I'm thinking about Trent as well. And I know that yeah. Brad Underwood very quickly kind of brushed, hey, we got a season to play. He brushed that aside as he should. But other than Kofi returning, Trent Frazier coming back would be monstrous. Yeah. And, and, you know, you just sort of pass that baton. He already is somewhat the spiritual leader or whatever you want to say about him of this team, but it is kind of a passing of the baton from Io to Trent. All right, Grizzly veteran that can score 12 points a game, shoot 40% from three, and is the best defender in the backcourt in the Big Ten. There's enough, at least, and enough scenarios where you think, wow, I, I think next year's team will be all right. Oh, but what if they add this? Or what if they keep that? And that that's why this is um, exciting on both fronts, what we're seeing now and then and what we will probably be seeing for the next few years. All it took was for Carp and I to leave radio. That's it, man. I mean, you, you look at the, as I'm watching Minnesota 
in Indiana. It wasn't Saturday. Juan's fault. It wasn't Juan's fault. No, so it was it not. Was it was fault. not. I, I, well, just watching Minnesota and Indiana on Saturday, it, it's a familiar feeling. We lived that for a decade. I was thinking of that comp carp for a while, and then they, they had a couple good wins, and I was like, eh, maybe not. I mean, and it's no slight to John. It's just, it's that feeling of, I thought we'd be better than this, right? And and why can't we get over this hump? And and maybe Indiana finds a way to get to the NCAA tournament because they have some some good. I mean, those Iowa wins are doing some real heavy lifting for them mm-hmm. and are big wins for them. But it just feels like a couple years in, it's like, man, I just thought they'd be better. And it's it, it, I'm just surprised um, that yep, Archie hasn't too. taken them to another level. Yeah, I am too because Archie was the number one guy on my list. I think all things have worked out. I mean, listen. When we look at the best Big Ten programs in the next five, ten years, and you look at the longevity of it, it does seem like Michigan's at the top, Ohio State number two, and you have an opportunity there in the third, fourth, fifth spot. And, and for me, growing up in the 90s, it wasn't so much about I need a top 15 Illinois team, but I do need the occasional shot at a Big Ten title. I need teams that make tournaments more often than not. And it does appear as if you're in a position to do that for the foreseeable future. That's exciting. On top of the fact that you have every 16 years – on the, on the dot, every 16 years you have this kind of year, and that's why I'm excited to see how the rest of this plays out. Uh, you just like to change that to like every six years, right? Like that'd be Yeah, just cool. take the one off of it. Or I mean, here's the thing. Between those 16 years, you had from 89 to 05, you still had some great teams. You, oh, you, yeah, you especially in the early four. 2000s, yeah. And for me, it's not even so much about making the Final Four this year. There's a lot of different ways I think this season can end, and we say, wow. That was a great ride. I think making it to the second weekend is essential. I think maybe a Big Ten tournament run if you don't get the Big Ten title. A one seed is something you never forget. Uh, so there's a lot of cool, tangible things that despite a Big Ten regular season not probably going to happen that this team has in front of them. Fun conversation to have. That's what yeah. happens when you have a seven-game win streak and you're trying to uh, take that to 12 and have a chance at a Big Ten title. Uh, but Carp. Always uh, love the chats, and we'll hear from you a lot this week, uh, you guys on the 200 Level Podcast. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's so easy. All they got to do is hold serve on the road against Michigan State and Wisconsin and Nebraska at home. Just hold serve, no and that's a cinch, right? No problem. They're, they're good All right, we'll see you. See you, Carp. Take care. All right, great stuff with Michael Carpenter. Hope you enjoyed that. When we come back, let's give you a little bit of preview of Tuesday's opponent, Michigan State. My guy Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal, known him for a long time. We covered the MAC together about a decade ago. He was at Western Michigan covering Bill Cubitt. I was at Northern Illinois covering Jerry Kill. Uh, He's been covering Michigan State for about the last decade, and, of course, me here at Illinois. We'll catch up to Graham about what has been the worst Michigan State basketball season uh, that he's covered so far, though he has an interesting take about that and why it's happened. That's next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent island we got here. Walk to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. 
New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii, Monday starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Let's get some insight on this Michigan State season, which is a rare Michigan State season. Uh, maybe they can pull off a fantastic finish here and, and get to 500 or above, but that seems highly unlikely given the schedule and given the way they've played this year. And uh, my guy always at, in East Lansing is Graham Couch, Lansing State Journal. has covered Michigan State for, for many years now. Graham, how are you, man? I'm doing well. It's good to be back with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's odd to be talking about a Big Ten race, and Michigan State is kind of a non-factor other than possibly playing spoiler. Um, so let's just start that big picture. How did this season happen with Michigan State? Yeah, well, I mean, a couple things. One, they lost, obviously, Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman, which two big guys to lose. And, and so they needed to form a new identity a little bit. Um, you know, what? And the COVID year hit at maybe the worst possible time for them. Hmm. So because and that's happened around the country, I think, for teams that are, you know, you look at the Kentuckys of the world. I'm not saying every circumstance is identical, but the teams that have, by and large, thrived are teams that had a lot of their roster back, a lot of their previous identity, stars, rules defined, things like that. And even though there were quite a few returners, um, you know, everything had run through Winston and Tillman and, and uh, that was their identity. And uh, so you don't get the, the off season. You, you're trying to turn a volume shooting two guard into a point guard in Rocket Watts, and he doesn't get any of those pickup games, any of those early practices. And, you know, I think that was that made it rough because they really don't have a point guard who is at the level you need to be at to compete in the Big Ten, especially this Big Ten. I mean, there are a couple things to note. One, this is I do not think this is Michigan State's worst or Tom Izzo's worst team even in the last five years. I think the team with Joshua Langford and Miles Bridges, Cassius Winston, Nick Ward is freshmen when they were playing uh, Kenny Goins Summit Center and Tum Tum Nair platooning with Winston. Mm. That team went 10-8 and eight in the Big Ten. I, this team would be 10-8 and eight in that Big Ten. That was not a very good Big Ten. And that team would be where this team is, maybe. I'd I, 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 I take this team in a one-on-one -on -one game with that team. Um so part of it is just the timing of COVID, the timing of facing, arguably, and you look at the metrics of efficiency, the best Big Ten certainly in the last two decades, a Big Ten that has a lot of great big men. Yeah. That is what Michigan State also lacks. I mean, you think what Tillman was in those last four games of last year. He was, uh, I mean, he shut down in four straight games, Luca Garza, Lamar Stevens, um, Caleb Wesson, and uh, I'm, I'm missing on the, the final one, but they were like oh, Jalen Smith yeah. uh, from Maryland. Different kinds of players, four straight. And it was very apparent in the end of last year, if you relied on a big man to win, you weren't going to beat Michigan State because Tillman could take him away. And so you go from having that to a lot of questions there. And then, frankly, they haven't – that 2018 class that was uh, five guys, none of them really top 50 guys, but all top 50 to 100 types uh, with with – Aaron Henry, Gabe Brown, um, Thomas Kithier, Foster Lawyer, and Marcus Bingham. It's just not overall developed. That's a junior class. This should be a performance year for those guys. And Henry has been what they hoped. I mean, you know, he was unbelievable in the Indiana game with 27 points, playing all 40 minutes. And, you know, even at 15 points, five rebounds, you know, three, four assists a game, he has been a very good player. And it would be a great number two on a great team. But is 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 a one? You know, he's there's some things he doesn't do as well all the time, and it's 
And so, you know, and I, and I think Kithier has developed. They thought he was going to be a role player. He's been a good role player. They wanted Bingham was a you know six eleven guy with a with a jump shot who has a seven four wingspan who hasn't been able to put on weight. He's not the quickest cat. It just hasn't worked. Uh, and and lawyer um, and Gabe Brown has started to play well the last two games. And that's that's a, you know he had COVID this year, missed you know seventeen games. That's a guy they need. He had four of eight threes in the last game. If he is um, good and he can hit shots, they, they changes them. But then Foster Lawyer. You know, was recruited to be the guy that replaced Cassius Winston, and he just isn't. Uh, that's just not going to happen. I mean, he's just not. That was that was a miss. That that shouldn't have. That was a recruit that shouldn't have happened. And then, um, so you you have these. You know, you have a recruiting class that missed. You have a, a pandemic that hit at the wrong time, and then you have a, a, a historically good Big Ten, and and you wind up with this. Yeah, no, that's a great breakdown of it. And I guess, you know, even even myself, I was pretty high on this Michigan State team, like while no one else was, just because I, I give Izzo the benefit of the doubt of development, and I knew there was some talent there. I mean, even a guy like Malik Hall, who is such a highly ranked guy, I just figured, hey, Izzo gets those guys to the next level. Why, why do you think, whether it's Watts, Hall, Brown, you know, some of the guys you mentioned, um, why haven't they taken that big step yet? Yeah, you know, it was well, some of the guys. The soft, I give the sophomores a little bit of a break. I mean, they were the, the, the sophomores are um, they did not, you know, they, they say the big jump is that freshman and sophomore year, mm-hmm. and they didn't get that off season. So the, the the Malik Halls of the world, the Julius Marbles, um, you know, those guys are even Rocket Watts to some degree, you know, and, and he's, his struggles have been surprising uh, to the level, the depths of which they've been. But uh, I, I think those guys get a mulligan a little bit. Um, like Hall is a guy who last year showed every single offensive skill you'd want, but he only ever really showed it once. Like there was zero consistency. He had three threes in one game. Never really did that again. Had one where he, game in Maui where he just turned on a guy, drove the from the top of the key and dunked over him. Never really saw that again. Saw some fadeaway post moves. Never really, you know, it's like once he showed you this arsenal, you're like, wow, that's in the course of a season. That's a lot of really good stuff. Needs a year to develop it. Needs to find go-to moves. Offensively needed a year and, and, and didn't get it. Marble the same way. Marble lost his dad over the summer, you know, and and, and wasn't, uh, you know, he's a guy that I think they were really high on who really didn't take any steps. And then Watts was a guy who was so he understood at the end of last year. In fact, against Illinois, there's a game at Illinois last year. The one where Desumu slipped and hurt himself trying to take the the final shot, where. Uh, both Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman wind up in foul trouble for a good chunk of, of the game on the bench or a good stretch. And they leaned on Watts for maybe the first time in a key moment for a while of his point guard. He relished it. And he understood it. And I talked to him after that game about it. And he, he really understood he was going to have to make that transition. And they thought he could. They thought he was well ahead of where Keith Appling was yeah. um, as a guy who was not a natural point guard. And it, it just, he didn't get that that year to do it. I think it got in his head trying to replace Winston. And then they, I think they pulled the plug on him too quickly when things went wrong in games. I, you know, it, in hindsight, if you, I mean, he played 32 minutes against Indiana and did have a single turnover last Saturday because lawyer was out. And I think in hindsight, if they had to do it over again, you ride rocket Watts 30 minutes a game and you say, whatever's happening, we're, we're just going to deal with it. Yeah. And we're going to let that guy find his game and let, that guy shape our team because you know he scored 20 at duke 23 against 
uh, Detroit in back-to-back games in early December, and then it was a pretty steady fall-off. And Mike Krzyzewski put it bluntly. He was like, that's the guy that makes them different. Yeah. And that, you know, having his game, not only did you not have a point guard, but having his game sort of fall off the map the way it has is 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 why that's been um, yeah. for them a big problem. Well, Graham, they've won three of their last four. Now, it's not against great teams, um, but I guess they have some slim NCAA hopes, even though the schedule is pretty brutal. Like, is this a potential turnaround? Have you seen a different team over the last two weeks or so? You know, the, the, the Indiana game was interesting. Um, I, I kind of wrote the season obits after they lost to Purdue because I thought they had to win that. They had to win the winnable games. Um, they lost to Purdue. They, they got blown out by Iowa, but Iowa was just red hot that day. And guys like Connor McCaffrey were hitting four threes. And, and it was not a great effort, but it was also a day that I don't think there are many teams that were going to beat Iowa. Um, but you have to beat the teams you can beat. Indiana being one of them, Purdue being one of them. And then you were going to have to pick off one of the one of the top teams in the league and, and have that sort of win that, that uh, uh, puts you on the map. And... and so I, I don't know that there is – what happened against Indiana was intriguing um, because it was different and the way they looked connected and the amount of minutes they played some of the guys and how much he rode rotations. I mean, he did some things that people have been begging for all year. Um, and so if, if you find something late and his teams have done it before, maybe there's a chance. The, the problem is there's just been no consistency. So there's no the, – the idea that they could uh, – you know, I mean, they've got to at minimum take care of the, the teams they have to beat and then beat somebody really good. So the idea that they're going to beat uh, both Maryland and Indiana, this you know, when they have the chance still ahead, it just seems slim. Um, and then they've got to beat either Illinois, Ohio State, or one of the two games against Michigan. And if you do that at minimum, you're going into the Big Ten tournament probably on the bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, there's just been very little evidence this year that that's going to happen for them. They've got a long way to climb. They've got a couple losses that are just biting them. Duke winding up not being very good hurt them. Um, the the Northwestern loss early in the year was was crippling, and uh, you know they've just got losses to other bubble teams. The the loss to Purdue at the last second really changed the year. They got run out of the gym in Minnesota. Um, that you know they got some losses that really hurt you in a net ranking, and um, that's and then they don't have a lot of quality wins. I mean Notre Dame and Duke who they. Both they ran those teams off the court very early when they had a lot of confidence. Neither one of those teams um, wound up being worth anything. Yeah, so I mean, Illinois is is a huge opportunity for them to to make that statement at least get some uh, attention and, and get some momentum going. Uh, Graham, I, I got to give you credit. I mean, two years ago, I think you were higher on this Illinois team than anybody. Uh, I think I had them top five, Big Ten. You had them number two. End up being number four by one game last year behind first place, and and now Illinois is is, is taking off, obviously, in a top five team in the country. Just first of all, what what have you thought of Illinois getting back into you know contention in the Big Ten? Well, it's good for the Big Ten, and I mean, you know, the, the teams that are in the are, that were basketball schools first. It's just better if they're good. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times where you know you, you enjoy watching Indiana suffer because it seems like maybe that blue bloodness in them makes them insufferable a little bit. So it's kind of like okay, that but but Illinois. I mean, you know, I. 
I think of some of the great rivalry games that Michigan State has had with Illinois throughout the years and then the times where both those schools were at the top of the league. And, uh, and, and I mean, Illinois is just a place that ought to be a good uh, basketball school. So that's been fun to see. Um, and and DeSumo is, is, is t- to me, taking steps that um, I didn't know he'd take in terms of playmaking and seeing the floor and – Becoming a guy, I think might be a point guard at the next level. Like he's just, um, like he's having it, and he's having a Denzel Valentine type year. year. I mean, mm-hmm. Valentine had averaged I think nineteen seven and seven, and was the first guy to do that in forever. And Dzumu was not quite there, but you, when you see triple doubles, uh, he's a uh, you know, and the, the way he hits shots in the clutch, and the, and the the way he creates for his teammates with his vision. There's just so much more to his game, um, and. Uh, uh, there's nobody in the Big Ten that I would pick to win a game with more. I mean, I know Luka Garza having a great year. EJ Liddell, every time I watch him, I, I want to start a franchise with him. But, um, but you know, he, I, I, the was just special. And then they've got – I do think – I do worry that they're missing one shooter or one piece. There have been some games where they don't look great. And there have been – you know, like Illinois is one of those teams that I think can play up with anybody. Like I, I don't – think there's a problem with them playing with Michigan or uh, Gonzaga or or Baylor if they get a shot again or whatever. You know, I don't think there's a problem with that. But they occasionally, as you've seen, play down. And I think that's because they're they're like one piece away somewhere from being just, you know, at, at that really next level all the time. Um, but at, at this point, I mean, they've got good complementary pieces. Coburn is uh, – you know, obviously, what he just just a force out there, and that'll be interesting for Michigan State because they don't really have a good answer uh, for him. Um, and um, they, they, yeah, it's just uh, it's. I'm happy to see it. I really am because it's 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 been fun. Can, can I get the unbiased observer? Like, if you had the national player of the year, Big Ten player of the year vote, who who are you going? You know, it, it's interesting because for a minute, I, and I, I probably go on AO at this point. I'm not. I, I wouldn't know for sure because. Um, in terms of at least big, just staying in the Big Ten between Iowa and Garza. If if Iowa, Iowa's avoiding right now the Fran fade, as they call it there, right? The yeah. swoon they have in February with Fran McCaffrey every year, which I think is a heck of a feat <laughs> to avoid and a heck of a character change. And I thought they were going to, you know, they kind of hit this wall for a minute. And they've been really good. And Garza's been incredible. So I, I, I'm not going to say Garza's not uh deserving of it right now either um but i mean i enjoy watching ao play more i mean he's and and i probably i think i think he's got and this is weird to say because he's got you know frazier and, and coburn and whatnot but I, I think he's got less around him in certain ways um than iowa does i mean Wieskamp camp is just um at, at another level sometimes as well and uh, you know, I always got a lot of veterans, and I—I I mean, there's just a lot of guys on that team I like. So I—I I would go with Al right now. Um, but if you know, I think there's room for that still to be decided. Yeah. All right, for Michigan State, Graham, uh, Max Christie is on his way, the top prospect in, in Illinois. Maybe Imani Bates, uh, though I have my doubts in a couple years. Um, is, do you think this is just a one-off year for for Michigan State, a one-off down year, and they bounce back? I do. Um, I mean, they're they're there are things they've got to address and they lost a, they had a decommitment from a, a four slash five star center Canadian kid 
recently who was a 2022, but everybody thought was going to reclassify. And so that was a, that was a hit. But uh, so the, the, one of those big guys is going to have to develop. There's going to have to be some roster reconstruction a little bit. But, um, you know, they have a, a great recruiting class. This Jaden Aikens, point guard, most athletic two-way point guard they've, they've ever had coming in next year with Max Christie, who gives them, you know, a, a six-seven shooter right away, or six-five, whatever he is, but it gives him shooting and 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 a, and a highly touted, uh, you know, freshman. Um, even another wing player looks like a grown man, and Pierre Brooks out of Detroit coming in. So they've got a great sort of guard wing backcourt uh, replenish situation going on, and and you know the evidence is just the evidence is has been consistency. I mean, this is going to be the first time they've missed the NCAA tournament since before the Big Ten tournament existed. And that's an incredible run. Yeah. And so the, the, to, to doubt that they would be back uh, when, when they're recruiting at the level they are, um, you know, given the consistency over time. I mean, I think I was looking at for a story I did the other day. I mean, everybody, Wisconsin's only missed two in that span. But, you know, you know Illinois, I think, has missed nine tournaments in that span. Um, Michigan, 12. You know, even... Ohio State's like seven or whatever. I mean, it's like everybody's missed a ton, and they haven't. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to doubt their ability to get back and be a competitive team because they just history says these. You know, they've had these bumps for for a minute. They've just the timing has never been this bad. I don't think this is new. I mean, if you go back to 2006-07, they barely got in Drew Neitzel's junior year. Yeah, uh, they were on the bubble. You know, four years ago, five years ago, they've they've had a few of these. They just ran into a year where uh, they didn't get the time to really reshape their identity, and then they, um, you know, they also just ran into a Big Ten that's. I mean, this Illinois team would win like 80% of the Big Tens that I've covered or been around or can remember. And this year, <laughs> they might be the third place team. I mean, that's that's incredible. That's just that's who this league is. Yeah, it feels like if Michigan State were in any other league, they'd be on the seven or eight or nine seed line uh, right now. That's the kind of year it is. Uh, Graham, before I let you go, I, I got one more, and it's just a random thought I had because I, Tom Izzo could coach for another 10, 12 years if he wanted to. I mean, I, I think some people think 66 is like the end, and it's like, no, he's he could coach for a long time if he wants. But but I thought of this. like Duke has its guys like who they think would be the next guy there. And I, I just thought, like, does Michigan State have that, like, John Shire, to me, seems like he could be the next guy uh, at Duke. Does, does Michigan State, like, do you guys speculate or do do people around the program think, like, okay, whenever Izzo hangs up, if it's five years, 10 years, 12 years, like, this would be the guy they get? Oh, absolutely. People speculate about it because yeah. they're, they're – and and I, I think the guy Izzo would like to see it happen is Dwayne Stevens, you know, and uh, who's one of his associate head coaches and um, – you know, we'll see if he gets that shot. You know, Izzo is able to, to have that sort of influence on it. Um, you know, I think that's what his tree is not in terms of, but neither is Coach K's. To be, his tree is not exactly gone off and one at the level that would have any of those guys replacing him yeah. at this point. The the other name that, um, you know, and for years ago people would say, oh, is he going to leave in time so Brad Stevens gets that job? You know, that sort of thing. That was always the... <laughs> The dream of Hollis, and 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 frankly, there were a couple of years where if he had left to take the Cavs, I think in 2010 or whatever it was, the timing of that might have actually happened. But the the, the one name that I would in time look, I think Izzo is going to coach till he. I mean, the longer he coaches, the longer he coaches. If that makes sense, like yeah. I just I don't know what else he'd do. 
I, th- I think he could be at it another seven, eight years. Um, his son is a sophomore on the team as a walk-on. He's got kids coming in. It's going to at least be a few more. Um, the, the one name, depending on where his career is and what else happens, uh, that I would look at a little bit is a guy like Nate Oates uh, at Alabama, who's a Michigan guy, former Romulus high school coach. Um, you know, is um, I could see that being somebody they went after. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, you know, it, it's – I don't think there's a plan right now. Sure. And um, if it was internal, it would be Dwayne Stevens without question. Gotcha. Well, Graham Couch, appreciate it as always. Big game between Illinois and Michigan State. Illinois trying to get to its eighth straight win. Uh, keep pace with Michigan at least and try to push Ohio State for that other number one seed. Graham, thanks for the time and insight as always, man. Enjoyed it. Great stuff for Graham Couch, my go-to guy up at Michigan State. All right, hope you enjoyed the Illini Inquirer podcast. If you don't already, subscribe to us, rate us, review us, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, we have our great deal going on for VIP membership. You get 50% off an annual VIP membership to Illini Inquirer. That's more than $50 savings plus a subscription. This is complimentary. It's as long as you're a member of Illini Inquirer, you get a free complimentary subscription to Paramount Plus, which is CBS All Access right now. I'm sure you've seen all the Super Bowl commercials about it, but check that out right now. It's a great deal. A lot of savings involved there. Uh, of course, a lot of content up at Alana Inquirer, including the latest on Namari Burnett, the Texas Tech transfer who is seriously considering Illinois. Uh, and uh, we got the latest transfer ratings for college football and four of the six Illini football transfers are rated in that as well. And of course, we'll have all your content for Michigan State and all the games coming up fast and furious at Illini Inquirer. All right, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. On robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.